my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, ton to get to today. Uh, it, was, it was a good show. I was joined by uh, my good friend Alex Sears. Always a good time talking to Alec. We talked about, uh, we previewed the Lib debate uh, for tonight. We talked about the state of the Democratic primaries and a bunch of other stuff. Talked about the crazy uh, Kent State gun girl. We, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Alec, I need to say hi to our good friends over at Man Beard Company. Gentlemen, I'm sure you've realized that it's excruciatingly cold in most of the country right now. Uh, it certainly is here in beautiful Toledo, Ohio. It's like 10 degrees today. Uh, a great way to stay warm, grow a beard. It, it, it'll keep your face warm. Hey, this is science. Don't judge me. The experts agree. Grow a beard. Keep yourself warm. And hey, you don't want your beard to look terrible, so you need to pick up some Man Beard Company beard oil. Trust me, guys, it's a game changer. Uh, I've used a lot of bad beard oils in my day. This stuff is the best in the business. Man Beard Company beard oils have the appropriate amount of fatty acids, vitamin E, and vitamin A to keep your beard in great shape. It's not oily. It's not greasy. It smells good. It feels good. Like I said, it, a lot of beard oils, they have that kind of just oiliness when it gets on your skin it doesn't feel good not the case this is the the best in the business top-notch premium stuff uh check them out at manbeardco.com that is manbeardco.com use the promo code no gimmicks that is the promo code no gimmicks one word for a great deal on your order of man beard company beard oil check them out once again manbeardco.com promo code no gimmicks punch the bear tame the beard man beard company Check them out immediately. And guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right, without further ado, here is my chat with Alex Sears. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Alex Sears. Alec, my brother, thanks for taking the time, man. Hey, always good to be here, Brady. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So a lot to get to today. Um, tonight is the dude. I don't know how many debates they've had. Like the seventy-fifth lib debate. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's like the eleventh or twelfth, something like that. Uh, but it's the last debate uh, before the Nevada caucus. Um, I I won't be watching. I know you have to for work. Uh, I usually just catch the highlights in the morning because um, I just they just bore me to tears. But I don't know. This is the first debate that Mike Bloomberg will be a part of. I guess that's uh, sort of interesting, I, I, I suppose. But uh, what are you looking forward to tonight? Uh, well, first of all, you know, catching the highlights in the next morning is definitely the best way to watch it, because that way you're not giving, you know, the networks any ratings. Um, and, you know, they can't be like, oh, look at this. It was the best, like, most watched debate this whole season. Because um, honestly, that's what it feels like. It feels like like I've been watching the season of a TV show because I have had to watch every single one of these debates and it's just grueling, man. I tell you, they're I mean, three hours screw, long. Oh, most of them are like screw waterboarding. Just turn on the CNN Democratic debates on rerun in Guantanamo and we'll 
you know, we'll have those folks singing like birds. <laughs> I swear. Three but, hours. I mean, the, only, tonight... the only program that can get away with three hours is Joe Rogan, and that's just typically because <laughs> they get drunk and high, like right at the beginning, and then just whatever happens, happens. I mean, if we could get these guys high uh, during these debates, I think that would be at least watchable. You know what? That'd be, a, that'd be an entertaining factor. Take them all in Colorado and just pump in uh, some, some uh, you know, weed smoke into there and see what happens. Just in the ventilation system itself. They don't have a choice. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, anyway, sorry I cut but, you off. Uh, what, what are you looking forward to in tonight's debate? <laughs> uh, well, not. I'm looking forward to it being two hours long, that's for sure. But on top of that, um, Bloomberg is uh, joining the stage for the first time. He's going to be up there with all the rest of them. Um, we, we lost a few folks out of uh, New Hampshire. So rest in peace, Andrew Yang and his campaign. But um, I'm thinking we're going to see the knives come out from Bloomberg tonight. Uh, everybody's going to kind of go after him. Biden's going to try and make sure that he's still seen as as a contender um, because right now Bernie is just kind of wiping the map with him and Bloomberg is getting a very sudden rise thanks to his ridiculous ad buys. Um, it's I just mean, a, it's offensive at this point. It's, I mean, talk about buying an election. I mean, Bloomberg's ad buys are like just blowing any records we've ever seen out of the water. It's, it is raising the premium for ads for everyone else because right. of how much he's spending. Like everyone else trying to buy ads for, you know, their nonprofit, um, you know, for their charity. It's, it's raising those prices just because Bloomberg is monopolizing all of the airtime, all of the digital space. It's, it is mind boggling. He spent $450 million so far. (laughs) He hasn't even been in a debate yet. He has not been on the ballot in any primary or caucus yet. And he's already spent $450 million. Like it's astronomical. We've never seen spending like this ever. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's also kind of pocket change from Bloomberg. I mean, I think the guy's worth what, like 35, 63, 63. So yeah, he's just like, he's throwing around pocket change right now. I mean, we see, we see job postings for their field organizers. They're paying like state level field reps, like six grand a month. Yeah. That's like, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that is so much money for a campaign. Yeah, like that, that is unheard of. No one has ever made that much money. You know, I mean, I, I doubt, you know, campaign managers for a presidential general election makes that much a month. It's yeah. Ridiculous. For those of you that haven't, that hasn't worked on campaigns, like, your average worker gets like fifteen hundred to two thousand a month. Like your field directors will get like three grand a month. They, and yeah, Bloomberg's basically doubling the normal salaries for all these twenty-year-old kids. Doubling and tripling. <laughs> like I, I yeah. can't even imagine what his like top-tier national field like offices are are pulling in. I mean, honestly, he's got some of us thinking like, oh well, I guess I'm a I'm a live now. I'm gonna go make <laughs> right. some make some Bloomberg money. Like, geez. Look, at this point, unless the the Democratic voters are just gullible enough to just have their votes bought and paid for in terms of YouTube ads, like if I don't know if I suppose Bloomberg could drop five billion and just buy this buy this nomination, but 
barring that happening, is Bernie just going to be the nominee at this point? Like, I know the DNC is is trying to stop him, and, and I think they should. I think that's good that they're trying to rig the primaries against him. But the Dems have gone about it wrong. I mean, everything has been wrong if they're trying to beat Bernie. Like, everything's been backwards. Like, a bunch of Democrats that could have won, say, like a Sherrod Brown or somebody like that, didn't get into the race. They decided against it because they thought Biden would just waltz his way to the nomination. Like, he was up. He was around, like, you know, 40 percent nationally with everybody else in single digits. Like, he was just blowing everybody out in every state poll. And then it turned out that, like, he doesn't know where he is or who he is or what he's doing, and he has dementia. So it's like, okay, uh, he fell apart. I guess you couldn't really see that coming uh, ahead of time. And then instead of the party consolidating behind somebody else who could win, like Buttigieg or Klobuchar or something like that, Bloomberg jumps in and spends 400 <laughs> a nice quick $450 million, uh, mm-hmm. dividing the non-communist vote uh, in the Democratic Party even more. So it's just like... If if somebody's if they want to stop Bernie, it's just like a comedy of errors, and they're going about it all wrong. Well, I mean, this whole primary has been just a comedy of errors. Like, I mean, the Iowa caucus is the prime example, and then we're going into another caucus. Aren't they using the same Hillary Clinton app? Aren't they using that same app? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Like, there have been like three conflicting news stories about who's using what. I think it's like been left up to the counties. Like it's ridiculous. Nobody can get in there and just fix it. I mean, ju- abandon the app, go back to a pen and paper system. It's not that hard to have, have one person sitting by one phone that is designated to one county. Hire a hundred extra temps for one night. I mean, it's you know, pay them for five hours work because that's what it's going to be. That's nothing. I mean, it's even I mean, easier than that. You don't even need paper ballots. It's a caucus. It's not a pro- right. it's, it's, so it's literally just groups of physical human beings standing up when they hear their candidate's name and raising their hand. All you have to do is sit yeah. there, have one staffer in each building, in each you know elementary school gym and library, and just count the people. <laughs> just physically, like a, a four-year-old could do it, like as long as they could like count things. Like you could just yeah. just count the human beings and write them down and submit them to the state party. It doesn't seem hard, but so I don't know. clearly the Democratic Party has a top-down issue of organizing, and it's it is just fundamental. Like, like they have just a fundamental problem of with getting things done, which is surprising because we're supposed to believe that they're this super effective, you know, political force that wants to run the country. I mean, do we really want? the people that Tom Perez has running, you know, Iowa and Nevada, this, these failed caucuses, well, I'm assuming the Nevada caucus is going to be a failure. Uh, do I don't even know if we have final results from Iowa, really. No, no, do we, we don't. Do we want these people running the country? Because all these people from the DNC, they're going to get hired into White House jobs, into the into the bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes like the, the healthcare.gov site, that fiasco, look oh. like child's play. It makes that look like a smooth rollout. I, I do uh, just I have to mention that video of uh, I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast, but the video of that guy who ran. I think he resigned. But the guy that ran the Iowa Democratic Party, like trying to give an update on like what went wrong. And then like his like Iowa Democrats sign on the podium just falls down. and He just like looks down and looks really sad. Every once in a while, every once in a while, God shows a sense of humor in a big way, you know, like, yeah, Uh, it's like, but these people want to run the economy. These people want to run the economy. It's just terrifying. And uh, you you mentioned uh, rest in peace to uh, the Yangsters campaign. Uh, I want to talk about him real quick. 
Um, I, I know he's not relevant to like this week's news or anything, but Andrew Yang uh, just accepted a job over at over at CNN. Um, which one, I hope his salary is no more than $12,000 a year for obvious reasons. <laughs> and then also my friend, Jim Garrity over at, at national review always says, you know, people run for president for a variety of different reasons. And very few of them are actually running for president to be president. I mean, like a congressman will run for president to up their name ID so they can run for governor in a couple of years. So like uh, senators will run for president just to show that they're, they're fighting for their state and they can you know, not have to campaign as hard for their reelection. You know what I mean? And some people run for president so they can sell books. Some people run for president so they can get a job at CNN. <laughs> so it looks like Andrew Yang uh, accomplished his goal. But like a lot of conservatives liked Yang just because he doesn't seem like an evil bastard, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of the other libs. And like, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Like I'd get a beer with him. But like this guy, like it, it's always bothered me that that conservatives supported him. Like he wants to double the federal budget, destroy the free market, <laughs> and raise everybody's taxes. Like, Andrew Yang is an absolute monster. Like, I don't care that he's a cool dude that, like, can do karate on, like, Instagram videos. Like, he, he's a monster. So, like, I, I, it will be enjoyable watching conservatives that kind of, like, supported Yang watch him before their very eyes turn into, like, a CNN hack, you know? Because that's what he's been the whole time. He's been a CNN hack the whole time. But uh, conservatives just didn't see it at first, I guess. Right. I think I don't know if a ton of conservatives really liked him or if it was just kind of like a novelty thing of having not a career politician be on a debate stage. It's kind of like the Marion Williamson effect where like we just didn't know what was going to happen next. Right. We didn't know what like crazy bullshit's going to come out of this person's mouth next. Like what's it was it was like watching a train wreck with Marianne Williamson on stage. She was the only entertaining part of the early debates. But I mean, with Andrew Yang, I think the biggest problem that like people people had was no one truly understood his policies and that was like, like kind of why people supported him it sounded it sounded nice because he was you know he was protecting the workers jobs and he was going to halt automation all these things but no one truly me- knows what what that stuff means no one has a great grasp on on technology and the economics of technology and how how workers jobs are replaced they just know oh my parents or i lost my job at the factory thanks to a robot um, they folks folks don't have a great great understanding of you know the future of technology that we're going to be going into. And Yang was a little bit ahead of the curve on that, but maybe he was too ahead of the curve on it, and also a bit too radical for for to to be palated by a wider audience. But I I do think we're going to start seeing more you know technologically minded candidates coming forward. Uh, and, and honestly, that's something we're going to need as we start moving into into a deeper technological revolution, because, I mean, it's it's not often talked about, but we are making ridiculous technological advances like almost monthly. Um, and and our laws, you know, a lot of our laws and a lot of our our elected officials are just wholly unprepared to handle those issues and just like. I mean, most of them have just an inability to even comprehend what's going on. I mean, uh, a good, you know, solid amount of our senators are over 60. Like, I mean, most of them can't tell the difference between, you know, a Google-made smartphone and an iPhone, an Android and an iPhone. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Well, and, if, yeah, and if you if you want to know times. if you want to know how inept our our congressmen and senators are regarding technology, just look at one of these hearings with like the e-cig companies. Holy shit, oh, yeah. man! It's like they have no like these senators, like these you know CEOs of uh, 
electronic cigarette companies are like trying to explain what they do, and it's like senators, it's like they're speaking German. It's like they have no, no idea. But like yeah. to stop automation, like that's not going to happen. Like to stop automation, you'd have to completely get rid of the free market and become like a communist dictatorship. Like Andrew Yang would have to be like a, a like a, a supreme chancellor with ultimate control over every aspect of the economy to like prevent automation. It's just it's not going to happen in like a free country. There's a uh, there's a good book series that actually kind of fundamentally changed my view on you know the future of technology and and you know kind of global power and corporatism and all that stuff and it, it it's a fictional book series but everything in the books is is you know fact-based um for the most part um it's called uh, it's by daniel um suarez it's the first one's called damon and the second one's called freedom and uh the first one's written more as kind of like a like a horror book about like how people can be murdered over the internet which you know, that capability exists today. Um, but then the second one really gets into kind of a fundamental breakdown of society due to technology and how how communities can rebuild from that. And it is it is a fascinating, you know, hypothetical look at, you know, a potential future where, you know, we no longer have to be reliant on global supply lanes and everything is much more, you know, locally sourced and, and communities are more independent and free because of it. Um, so it if, if anyone wants to, you know, get kind of a glimpse into a, a potential future that we could see uh, that's more of in a view of in a fictional uh, fictional story that's really good, uh, I suggest picking up those books uh, on Amazon. I've probably reread both of them like four or five times now, and uh, each time I kind of pick up something something different from it. So it's a good, solid read, and Brady, I think you would honestly really enjoy it too because uh, it dives into some of the, the anarchist and libertarian notions and, and the, role of, the role of humanity and inherent rights and humans so um uh definitely check that out if you guys are interested in and in kind of figuring out where where our future is headed with with corporations amassing more power and and, and money and and uh, how that will affect the day-to-day lives of the average citizen yeah i'll definitely check it out i've never even heard of those books before and i'll also tweet out the links uh, as soon as the show's out too uh, if anybody else wants oh, yeah, to check yeah. it out um changing gears here um uh, uh, actually, I think he's an anarchist, but a libertarian uh, commentator, Eric July, who's a hilarious dude, um, tweeted yesterday that it drives him crazy when conservatives and, and libertarians defend leftists, uh, defend people that would never, ever defend us, ever, like not in a million years. And like Yang was kind of an example of that. Obviously, we did it. You know, people on the right did it with Tulsi Gabbard um, because she didn't like the war in Syria and she's a hot girl. Um, it's like, I, I also like hot girls and I also don't like, uh, the war in Syria, but like, she's a communist on, on economics. So it's like, you know, and conservatives even defend Bernie Sanders, you know, because they, they see that the DNC is trying to rig the primaries against him. I mean, Bernie Sanders is legitimately the worst, like the most evil American popula- po- politician rather since Woodrow Wilson, probably. I mean, maybe you could go FDR. But I mean, he's like, look, Bernie Sanders, this is how much I disdain Bernie Sanders. Even if he never becomes president, even if he is not the Democrats nominee this year, like even if his career ends today or whatever, like I'm not wishing ill on the guy. He just had a heart attack. But uh, like if, if he just gets out of politics and all the damage is already done, he still normalized communism on the left. Like he, he, he brought Marxism into the mainstream in the Democratic Party. I mean, Again. like he, he could literally go down in history as, as like a Jefferson Davis type figure. 
Like I, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. And like conservatives will defend him. Like oh, just you know, like let the you know DNC shouldn't rig the primaries against him. Yes, they should. Yes, they should. The DNC should do anything they can possibly do to keep a communist as far away from the levers of power as physically possible. You know what I mean? So it's like no, like we should not be defending people that want to raise our taxes and and destroy our our our, our liberties and you know. <laughs> take away our property rights like that's absolutely insane so it's like and even like an anarchist like eric july who hates everybody he hates our side too right like he doesn't want the government to exist at all he thinks we're just as wrong as as the libs are but it's like yeah it does it does bother me too that like people on our side were defending these people that would never in a million years defend us at any point i mean they like they want us to shut up they want us to go away uh at the very least um you know some of the bernie bros they obviously want us in gulags so it's like i I don't know why we keep defending these people i think a lot of that stems from kind of the conservative republican um sensibility that the will of the people is not to be ignored um just generally in a a democracy but people tend to forget that you know this isn't a democracy first of all this is a political party primary um and they can write whatever rules they want to it's not it's not you know the rules of their primary are not so strictly governed by by federal law um but my friend uh, alex mersanu has a very good article um i think it's actually titled uh why smoke filled rooms are good <laughs> uh basically where he makes the argument that smoke filled rooms are good that you know smoky back rooms filled with with you know kind of older political operatives who know the ins and the outs of the party um should kind of be the ones who are making you know solid decisions for the good of the party and then you know sometimes that turns into the good or the bad of of the country um i mean that's that's kind of a fun point to make i think it can be a little bit dangerous for letting you know the select few people at the top you know make make decisions that will pack impact millions of lives because i mean they get it wrong and they have very specific points of view usually very rooted in and kind of the beltway uh line of thinking so while at a certain point, yes, I think smoke-filled rooms uh, can definitely be good um, uh, at, you know, keeping someone like Bernie. I mean, they can also, uh, you know, prevent, you know, good, solid people from rising just because somebody's sewing extra weight around. I mean, that's I feel like that's kind of what happened to uh, to Bernie in 2016. Um, again, he, he probably shouldn't have been been the nominee, but maybe neither should have Hillary. Uh, but it's kind of it kind of turns into who has the most political weight to throw around, right? And I I uh, I'll check out that article too by Alex. But uh, I I I assume I'm probably going to agree. <laughs> I tend <laughs> to agree. I know there's dangers, obviously, to that. But uh, that I I would probably agree that the smoke filled rooms are a good idea. Um, you know, it is Jonah Goldberg over at uh, National Review, or actually no, he's at a what's his what's the new one. The Dispatch. Uh, he just created a new, yeah, just yeah. started a new but one with uh, David French called The Dispatch. He's uh, he's written a lot about how, uh, like, uh, something we don't talk about in the political discourse nowadays is that the parties are weaker than they've ever been, or at least since, like, the 1800s. I mean, they, they you know, in modern American history, the, parter, the parties have way less power than they ever have. I mean, heck, man. I mean, come on. Look at Iowa, for God's sakes. They, yeah. can't, they can't count votes. The parties, you know, are just completely inept. But, yeah, I mean, you look at guys like even President Trump or like Bernie Sanders. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the parties are not controlling these people anymore the way they used to. They're, there's a bunch of just renegades doing whatever the heck they want. 
You know, so it's like, I, I don't know if uh, we'd be better off with more powerful political parties or if, you know, the format we have right now where people can kind of just willy-nilly do whatever they want, run on whatever platforms they want, you know? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know which one's better or worse. But it's definitely true that the parties have way less control over the outcomes than they've probably ever had in American history. I think you're probably right on that. However, I don't... I. I still don't think there will ever be a truly viable third party um, in America, um, at least not in the near future, simply because the two parties who are in power, they're not going to give up that power. Why let a third party like come in and and take some of that away from them when they are already in control? So they, you know, the two parties right now, the Democratic and Republican parties, obviously, um, they can, you know, they can pretty much do the one thing of bipartisanship and and butt out the green party or the libertarian party and uh, they can keep them out and at arm's length um you know pretty easily because they make the rules you know and i uh i used to think that it would be better to have a more parliamentary kind of system with a whole bunch of parties but i i china I, over the last couple of years i've completely changed course on that you know, actually, I kind of changed course on that after the 2016 election because half the country was super pissed off and literally started burning things down and shit and like beating people with bike locks and stuff like that. Imagine yeah. if a president was elected with, you know, 31 percent of the vote <laughs> instead of 50. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of parties like there is in England or like, you know, what we're seeing now in Israel. Uh and, and a president's elected with 30% of the vote, and 70% of the country is just beside themselves and violent and angry. It's like, oh my gosh, we can, we're can we barely holding the fabric of, fabric of our country together with half the country pissed off all the time. I can't imagine if it was 75% of the country. I just don't think that's—it's just not workable. It's not realistic. Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. However, it would lead to even more lib owning, so you never know. That's true. Oh, man, if, if President Trump was elected with, you know, 26% of the vote. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right, before I let you go, uh, something you mentioned before we started recording, and I'm 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 an old man. I'm 31 years old, so I, I don't really pay attention to what, like, 18-year-old Twitter morons do. Um, but this uh, the Kent State gun girl is at it again. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people posting about this. And this is, like, anytime I see gun girl or like the groipers or like any of these weird people i just immediately scroll past it as fast as i just avert my eyes i just don't want to look um but let's uh, lower the iqs of uh the audience by about 10 points by explaining <laughs> what uh what gun girl is up to this time uh well averting your eyes is probably the best move you know the more attention you give to these people the more it empowers them even if that attention is negative i mean i do tend to think that when once things reach a certain height of, of newsworthiness, you wind up having to comment on it, especially if you're, you know, involved or knowledgeable. Um, I've actually had the misfortune of, of meeting and working with uh, Kaylin Bennett and Liberty Hangout um, due to uh, a former employer and uh, ah, ah, okay. situations that I don't need to talk about because, you know, <laughs> I still like the people and there's just some a, very, a variety of situations involved to where I, uh, I had to go do so work uh at kent state and uh no harm no foul to anyone anyone there the activism event was fine um but the attitudes of the people were were of the the entire liberty hangout crew were were just abhorrent and the guy that was actually infamous for wearing like the diaper at the turning point like diaper pro 
test, he was the one that was actually like in charge of everything. So wait, it was what? just a whole mess. Explain yeah, that. Was, uh, I mean, that, that's pretty much all there is to explain. They also thought it was just like some, it was like just a big joke to them. Like they're like, oh, it just like, it just made us more famous. It just made us more popular. Like who cares that they were making fun of us? Like who cares that we were in the wrong? Like there's a very like, what can get us more notoriety mindset from from those those folks and uh I, I i tend to group that kind of mindset and with the grifters even though grifting is more typically towards like abandoning your values for money i also <laughs> lump in i lump in uh, uh people who who use you know certain political opinions or certain you know certain rhetoric for for the gain of notoriety at the expense of the movement as a whole i i lump them in with the grifters but, Every, everyone knows this is a grift, right? Like, uh, like I've, I haven't really seen anybody unironically post Liberty Hangout stuff. Like, I do, I, mean, I do think that people get it now. They get, they get what these people are up to. I think on a certain level, like they actually do believe what they're saying, but I mean, they're they're more of just doing it just to get a rise out of people. Because I mean, I think Caitlin. Even, Bennett even tweeted this the other day, like haters pay the bills. Like the more hate they get, the more views they get on YouTube, the more money they make. I mean, that's that's what it is. And when you lump yourself in with Infowars, there's nothing more like you can't what what once this train ride ends for, for Liberty Hangout and it will eventually, what can they do with their lives? Nothing. They're stuck in this forever. Like who who's gonna hire them? They do one Google search of their name, like they're done. That's the thing with grifts, man. That's the thing with being a grifter. And, like, a lot of the grift, it, it's kind of sad, too, if you put it that way. And you're absolutely correct. It's like these people can't be in, like, media or conservative media ever again. Like, once this ride's over, I mean, they're completely discredited. And it's like a lot of these people become grifters at age, like, 20. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, that is just not smart, especially if you want to be in this world of political commentary or something. It's like, don't disqualify yourself from employment forever. At age right. twenty, like that's just like I almost feel bad for these folks, almost. I almost. Yeah, and it's not just it's not just it's not just like, like, uh, you know, conservative media. I mean, even if you go back, back and try and get an accounting degree and then try and apply for places, uh, no one's going to hire you. Well, I mean, your your Google searches are are ruined forever. Your reputation is kaput. No one is going to want a, a party. You're going to have to work for like either the the you know the furthest right drugs of society you possibly can or or you know can and you on your grift and those are your two choices so explain what what uh what this moron was doing uh the other day for for those of you maybe listening that didn't know that this uh what's her name gun girl caitlin something i forget her name anyway if you didn't know she was a grifter and she was just some like conservative activist or something explain how she makes her videos and what she was actually doing at at ou yeah, so she was chased off of OU's campus, um, you know, rather violently, which, you know, no one should be subjected to to a rage mob, especially a violent one. That's just not, you know, something that needs to happen in this day and age. Um, however, um, you know, some of the blame does lie on the shoulders of Liberty Hangout and Galen Bennett because this is their goal. Like, they want the rage mobs. They want people to throw things at them. They want, you know, to get punched and hit because if they get it on camera... They can, you know, they can sue, they can make videos, um, but their their format is, you know, Kalen will just get a megaphone, loudspeaker, walk around a campus and just, you know, say the most like outrageous, 
outlandish things. There was a, a, a father who was touring the campus with his daughter looking to go to college who was there that day, posted on Facebook um, that he saw what Caitlin was doing. Um, they didn't have any cameras on or anything. She was just going around, you know, asking people the most insane questions. He went up to, to um, you know, a black student and asked him, hey, have you thanked a white person that you're not a slave recently? <laughs> You know, just ridiculous things, just oh, just things designed to make people angry. And like they're not even filming. It. it has it has no purpose other than to rile people up. And then she'll go back to to her, her truck or van or whatever and and get her her AR and walk around campus with it. And then that's when they turn the cameras on. That's when, you know, the crowds show up because she's already riled up half the campus. So they all know oh. she's there. They all know where she is. They all know what she's doing. And then the mob forms. And then they get it on camera. And this is what they do over and over again. It's not even real. It's just all manufactured. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for explaining that. I'm going to go back to my uh, original tactic of just scrolling past as fast as yeah. my thumbs will allow me to scroll anytime I see uh, grifters on Twitter. I think that's probably the best tactic. All right, man. It's a good uh, approach. Yeah, dude. Yeah, brother. So before I let you go, man, where can everybody uh, follow you online and, and read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good shit? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Sears under, at Alec underscore Sears. And uh, you can read me in, in the various conservative outlets. I'm in uh, The Examiner and Daily Caller and uh, mostly on Twitter, though. So give me a follow. Everybody follow Alec. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Oh.